And you have an animal story, Rebecca? You don't have a tweet, so you have to find one. Like, there's multiple tweets. We just got to pick the the, tw- the tweet that we like the bestest. And by the bestest, you mean the least. I mean, not necessarily. Some of the times we pick the bestest one. So I will give you some options. Okay. <sighs> just send them all in the just send them all in the chat, and we can open them. Nope. Do you want Owen Sh- Owen Strachan? <sighs> ben Shapiro, or some dude named Joel Webin. Okay, not that one. Or there's a Sean there's a Sean Fioit tweet too, but it's kind of like. Let's go with Ben. I don't think we've ever done a Ben Shapiro tweet. Benny Boy Shapiro. Oh, I feel like we're gonna regret this. I I might regret this immediately, but we haven't done a Ben Shapiro tweet in my memory, so. Welcome to the Barely Saved Podcast, where we have the discussions real Christians don't have. Here's your hosts. I'm Caleb. I'm the bearded one. I'm Rachel. Do we have any Gus news? Uh, he's just been super annoying this week. He, uh, my mom was here, and so he now thinks that he gets to do be out of the cage all the time. Because if no one's in the living room around his kennel, he doesn't understand that people are here. Right. But if someone is in there, he he knows people are here. And it's his God-given right to not be in there, in the kennel. I mean, how how would you feel if you were left in a cage and everybody else was running around all around you? You would want out. No, no you don't even have to be running around all around him. You could be sitting on the couch. That's fine. He wants to be on that couch with you. Darn Skippy. So I, I feel like I understand where Gus is coming from on that one. And I don't necessarily disagree. It's more of a, at some point... You got to realize we're not just letting you out every time you bark at us. That's fair. Right. It has to be obsessive barking because you're going to piss in the cage. That's correct. You just need to get him trained on the different kinds of barks. And then sometimes he will use the pee bark to trick you to get out of the cage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I applaud your mindset, but I am concerned that he will use it against me. Oh, he will. But if he does that all the time, then you'll start ignoring him when he has to pee. So it's only going to be a part of the time he lies to you. And he will pee. Because you can always squeeze out a little bit, as you know. It's true. Test, 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 test. Is Matt just now starting his recording? Test, test, test. Test, test, test. Matt's finally recording. No, I'm just turning myself up. Which is nice. Because I was just discussing with Caleb. Ah, Yes. That when I listen back on the podcast, if you're talking quieter and like lower and serious, you tend not to enunciate. And so then I have to crank the volume to hear you. Yeah, it's a real problem. And then Caleb comes back really loud and like obnoxious, painfully loud into the speaker. I mean, I have always been told that my voice is painfully loud. So, I mean, to be fair, I don't really enunciate in general. It's when I'm loud, you don't have to turn me up. Right. I need to, like, get an enunciation coach. That's that's called a voice coach, Matt. You know what? Back off. 
I'm going to call them my enunciation coach. I'm just saying, we've had conversations about voice coaches before, and you've always been like, I don't need one, my voice doesn't get tired. But sometimes you need one for enunciation. It's true. Well, right. So I don't need a stamina coach, I need an enunciation coach. Which is the same thing. It's the same person. They're the same person, but like you can have a... They're coaching a different aspect of speech. That's right. You can have a football coach who's coaching defensive backs, linebackers, or defensive line. But those are three, those, those are very different things. So I don't want uh, a coach who specializes in endurance. I need a coach that specializes in enunciation. And you know what that coach is going to tell me? Tell me to slow down. I don't want to do that. Slow down, open your mouth more, et cetera, et cetera. Think about the words as they're coming out of your mouth. Yep. But the problem is my brain is four words ahead already. And so it's hard for me to slow down that much. I understand that problem too. So that's actually something that we talked about at Minerva's conference because she tends to read faster than her brain can, can do its thing. She decodes faster than she can comprehend. Yes. And faster than, faster than her mouth can say it, which is also my problem when I'm reading out loud. Cause, cause Nate was listening to her read the other night. She's reading the black stallion, which is quite a high reading level for a first grader to be reading. And she had trouble reading the word antiseptic, but like just read acquired, you know, like, like she'd been like, there was no big deal or other words like that. Um, and it was like, yeah, antiseptic is a word that she struggled to <laughs> figure out how to say it. I mean, uh, let's be clear here. I have trouble saying antiseptic when I am just <laughs> saying the word. Like, I don't have to be reading it. It's a pretty clunky it's just, English it's word. It's a difficult word to say. Yeah, there's a lot of hard um, syllables in that. There's a lot of plosives, a lot of, a lot of stops in that one. Yeah, so I, I can't say there's anything unusual about that. That's just a hard word. Matt's correcting himself. There's only one plosive, but there's a lot of stops in the word. There we go. Yeah, there's a lot of T's, which T's are always difficult. Antiseptic. And then when you put a P and a T together, septic. The T, the P, and the N even. Because the N really stops the flow of... Uh... Yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's true. English is weird. You know what, though? It's no... Not English is weird. Sounds are weird. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say, like, a word like antiseptic... I'm pretty sure that happens in most languages where you have, like, lots of things. Also, do we say antiseptic or do we say it the other way? Antiseptic. I say antiseptic. Antiseptic. Because I changed the D. I changed the T to a D. Antiseptic. Antiseptic. Think about the way you actually say it. Whenever I'm reading it fast, it's antiseptic. You just drop, you just get lazy and drop your tea. But, it, but, yep. I, but I, even when I say it, I say antiseptic. And that's because I'm from the South, boys and girls. That, I was going to say, that's a Southern <laughs> thing. I, I don't do that, but I also tend to be very deliberate in making sure that I say the sounds correctly. How about this one? I just saw this on my globe and also I saw it the other day, but every C in the, uh, the two word phrase Pacific Ocean is said differently. Yep. Yes. So there you go, listeners. Now you can think about vast bodies of water as we transition. So for Pastor Becky's Animal Corner, there is an NPR article that is covering the most beloved pug on the internet, 
His name is Noodle. If you don't know about Noodle, you should. And I, in particular, have an affinity or a particular proclivity um, to old pugs. You should. I feel like I want to push back on the you should. Like, you can, but I don't want to push people on TikTok. Like, if you're not on TikTok, that's fine. Okay, uh, Matt, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back. I don't think you even have to be on TikTok because just being on Facebook, I've seen this a bunch. I've seen this. Like, have you really? Yeah, I've seen it on Facebook. I've seen multiple people share videos of it. I have seen on The Daily Show, they talked about it um, all over the place. So I, I think that should... But do you get the Bones updates unless you're on TikTok? I don't think you get the Bones updates, but I, I think it's pretty regular to get. But I think that you probably know that this pug exists. Okay. I just think that I, I, I'm going to agree with what Caleb said and that you probably should know that this pug exists, whether you're on TikTok or not. At this point, now there's been NPR articles. And if you're, if you're in the social media world... Oh, I don't know if you should. Okay. The whole point is Noodle is a 13-year-old pug, and I tend to have a particular pro- proclivity for geriatric pugs. We do know that you love old pugs i did not know that he had an instagram yes i I just want to say that maybe you don't know about this pug because you cut out all social media except for this podcast in which case that's probably better for your like mental health and so not knowing about this pug could actually be a sign that you're healthier and so maybe should is the wrong word the problem with the instagram though is there's other things on i just want my bones no bones Right, his his Instagram is not just about him. It's and it, it is funny because his Instagram handle is show me nudes n o o d z, and it's his name is Noodle, and so that's what makes it funny. But yeah, his his Instagram is not all the pug, but he just really kind of shot to awareness on TikTok in the last like two weeks. Um, so it makes sense that his Instagram is maybe like it's different content because it just was. It was what it was. Um, and his TikTok has other content as well. Yeah. But anyway, what happens is this guy named John, he's trying to wake up. He adopted Noodle from a shelter when he was seven years old or seven years ago. I don't remember which direction that goes, which again, the story is very similar. We adopted Gimli back in 2013. He's also a geriatric pug who definitely does at times when you pick him up, it's like he's lost his ability just he's just like nope i'm gonna i'm gonna stay right here um and so he wakes him up and tries to stand him up and if he stays standing it's considered a bones day because he has bones if he flops back over it's because he has lost his bones and it's gonna be a no bones day now what's interesting though what i think what i find fascinating about the reactions to this is like both both things are are positive um oh 100 that's what's so funny about it whether it's bones or no bones it's like if it's a bones day like treat yourself do the thing like whatever if it's a no bones day it's it's like bones day is like we're gonna go and do the thing like we're gonna be adventurous it's not just treat yourself it's it's like go outside of your comfort zone to treat yourself right and bo- and the no bones day is like okay care for yourself take it easy don't wear hard pants it was my favorite one most recently no risks yeah no risks don't wear don't wear hard pants wear soft pants on a no bones day um which i totally did on the so i was like i'm staying in my i'm staying in my yoga pants i'm wearing leggings today <laughs> the thing is i don't need 
I don't need a bug to tell me to do that. <laughs> oh, I know. I don't either. Right. Like, if, if I'm feeling like wearing soft pants, I'm just wearing soft pants. I wore hard pants the other day, and my whole family freaked out. <laughs> Here's the thing. You, you assume that I need the pug to tell me that in order to do that. I don't need the pug, but it's a fun way to say, hmm, guess what? Uh, it's a, uh, nope, it's a no bones day. I'm going to stay in my, stay in my cozy pants. So what you're telling me is that the, the important thing, uh, the most important part of this whole pug situation is it tells you which pants to wear every day. Naturally. What's super sad about this is that we're all falling in love with a 13 year old pug. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we might still have a good six months left of this pug's life. Hey, my last pug, my last pug lived until he was 16. We could have a good three years left. We could, but my point is we could only have six months left, in which case all these people are going to follow TikTok and then he's going to get up there and he's going to be like, is this a bones day or a no bones day? And the dog just falls over dead. Do we do <laughs> that's horrible first off. I wouldn't post that video. Second, do you just like repost? Do you just repost the old videos after he dies and don't tell anybody? <laughs> like see if you can No, because they're all dated. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you can crop that part out and put the put it no, different. Not on, not on the tiki talkies. It's really difficult. And for funsies and just for, for those of you who might be interested, they they do have merch now of like bones and no bones day um merch and little bumper stickers that are super cute i'm personally a fan of the actual like cartoon um bumper sticker drawing versus the picture of of noodle himself um i mean i would too because people are obsessed with it and they could probably make a pretty good amount of money yeah just selling weird it's a bones day shirts so today if you didn't know, today is Monday, October 25th, and it is a Bones Day, so. Is there a place I can just look up, is it a Bones Day or not, or do I have to, like. Wait for the TikTok? Yeah. I wonder if somebody has, like, made a, um, you know how after when Endgame came out, you could go to a certain website and it would tell you if you were snapped or not, like, just by the algorithm? I, I feel like there should be. Like bonesday.com. Yes. You know what? Well, what I was going to say, you know what we should do? We should start a betting pool on whether the next day is going to be Bones Day or no, or no Bones Day. Ooh, that's a horrible idea that we should do. And we should just, you know, in our text group, predict, every, you know, every night before we go to bed, just say what we're predicting it's going to be. If we all, like, let's say we all got it right one day, do we... Is that a is that a good thing in our in our bones astrology? I don't know. I think that's probably actually a sign that we're all doing divination and should repent. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. I didn't think about that. I do. I do enjoy noodles the pug. I really enjoy the uh, the goofiness around it. If if you're in the article, dear listener, you can uh, listen to the No Bones song, which is actually a, a pretty catchy little tune. Wait, I, I missed that there was a song. I didn't actually get that. Oh, you haven't heard the song? Oh my goodness. Everyone, go listen to her song. She's got a really pretty voice, too. Wow. Okay, so I just I just listened to that song, Matt. And I think that we will play it in the podcast. If it's a no-bones day, I just stay in bed. 
What's really nice about it, honestly, is the the callback in the song to other TikTok trends. Because that's how TikTok works. It's a stupid microverse. Yeah, and so I'm also on the oh no, our table is broken uh side of TikTok. If you're if you're aware, you know. I I avoid TikTok. I'm also on uh military TikTok, so I get like random military people who Talk to me about funny stuff. Um, my the thing about TikTok is, it doesn't take very long, and it knows what you want to watch. It's really good at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually that's the part that scares me, which is why I stay away. It's terrifying because I don't want to know what I want to watch. I just watched a TikTok that a gal uh, did research into. That it takes 400 videos that she had a brand new account followed 14 transphobic accounts and got into radicalized far right content within 400 videos. Not even shocked. Yeah. And did, did the research of it. So Hank Green the other day said he was making, he made a random TikTok, like a new one for something he's doing. And he was like scrolling through and he's like, this feels weird. It just feels off. And the whole point was it wasn't his uh, for you page. And it's, it's a little short. I mean, it it took me a little bit longer than some. I think I found uh, bones no bones before Rebecca did, um, based on conversations. I think I found it a couple days before you did. Maybe yeah. But like, you get the idea. Like yeah, we're we're really close in who we are, and so you're gonna start to get like we get similar things on our for you page. I I didn't find out about it until NPR was talking about it a week ago. That's because you're an old man. I, you know what? I'm fine with that. I, I'm not on the TikTok. Listeners, listeners, let's go behind the scenes for just a second. Caleb can take this out if he wants to. But earlier today, we were talking about Mike. And Mike is not here today because he had an appointment. Uh-huh. And he did not know what time his appointment was until today. And I said, it's because he's a young person. And... Caleb said that's not an excuse because I've been doing this a long time. But again, Caleb forgets that he is an old man. <laughs> so No, no, because I was I was scheduling things. I was a children's pastor scheduling events, working for the facilities office at a university, scheduling events, making sure things would be in place at the right times. Just like an old man. Doing all of those things when I was Mike's age. Yeah, because you're an old man. So Mike forgetting a schedule when I at the same age, was shuffling a lot more different things and keeping schedules straight. I, that's not an excuse. His age is not an excuse. I just want to appreciate you making my point for me. I just want to say that his ADHD might be an excuse, but his age is not an excuse. I think it's the old man in you. Did you? Let me. I have a question though, Caleb. Caleb, I have a question. I have a response. Where is your planner? Most of it's in my head, but I also use my phone. Okay. I was going to be shocked if he didn't use, like, a calendar. Oh, I don't use a paper calendar. I would lose that thing faster than you would believe. <laughs> I've tried paper calendars, and I lose them real fast. Like, within a month. Yes, Rachel. I just, and my response to that was that 
like when I make a doctor's appointment, I have to put it in my phone. Very quick, like right then. Otherwise I will forget within, you know, whatever. So I do have a paper calendar that I write my to-do lists on and I put stuff on. I have a family calendar on our fridge that I write stuff on. But uh, Caleb, I think you underestimate or you have a standard of, of memory retention for other people to have the same as you that is just not realistic. I be I believe you because I I could tell you when all of my doctor's appointments coming up are. I could just spit them off. Caleb has expectations of others that aren't realistic. That's what I said. You you said it around the time stuff. You just put it around the time. I'm saying like just like his overarching Caleb's overarching life goal is to have unrealistic expectations of others. I I just forget that other people are, are human. Don't have the same like are not robots memory retention of random things that i do hashtag privilege i don't know that it's privilege i just forget that other people don't because what did you do the other day oh the other day rebecca we're in our book club and said (laughs) i kid you not he said fiction books take more mental capacity that for me than non-fiction books and i (laughs) I have to think more about reading fiction. I said yes. I I totally understand that is way the way it works for you, Caleb. But that's not the way it works for most humans. That's the thing. I believe you, but I don't understand how you can just read fiction without thinking about it. Caleb is neurodivergent in the most peculiar of ways. Oh, for sure. We're just here, Caleb, to point out your flaws and tell you one. You're no, you're an old man. Are they? I no, 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 no. First off, I reject that those are flaws because that is how God has created me to be. Okay. How about we call them distinctions or differences or things that make me a weirdo? You can call them whatever you want, flaw man. <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, are you bored? Oh. Anyway, let's move on to the middle. It's in the middle. It's in the middle. Um, so, today, friends and family, talking once again about the SBC. I, I, I don't, I don't know that we're talking about the SBC as much as we're talking about a person inside the SBC. Are they inside the SBC? Yes. Then we're talking about them. I mean, we are, but we're not really talking about him in his role as part of the SBC. We're talking about him in his role as an idiot. Right, but his role is an idiot as a member of the SBC. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so Mike Stone, who was arguably the leading candidate uh, for the president of the SBC, mm-hmm. he had said things prior to, and then he had an interaction with someone at the Southern Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. which really derailed his chances of winning. Yes. And he wasn't the preferred candidate, if I remember correctly, of the founders. Is that... Am I remembering right? Mm-hmm. They had another preferred candidate for... From the founder's side. Right. So Mike... Mike's son was supposed to be, like, the middle guy. hmm So for, for the SBC, he's still pretty right. But he was supposed to be the middle guy <laughs> in the SBC. And he lost the election. Yep. And so now... 
he is suing Russell Moore and the ERLC or just Russell Moore? I think it's just Russell Moore. For, I don't have the article pulled up, so Caleb, you have to correct me if I'm wrong about it. I thought it was $750 million. 750000 Okay. That's a little bit less. That's orders of magnitude less. You said $750 million? That's like three orders of magnitude. Yeah, I mean, it's orders of magnitude less. I, I made it plural. So, the, he is suing him for defamation. Yes. False light invasion of privacy and intentional infliction of emotional distress. These are the same people who are continuing to, like, on Twitter, if you follow people who are part of this whole SBC thing, they're continuing to, like, name drop and bring in victims who've been speaking out and blast them. And Mike Stone is st- is one of those people. So for him to be suing Russell Moore over, like, emotional distress and this kind of thing is total, is is such a... I don't have words. Um, it's so tone. No, well, it's a lot of things, but it's really tone deaf when he's being told over and over again, "Hey, stop act, stop using victims' names who you're not actually listening to." In this whole situation, he he's just in general tone deaf. Well, yes, and he just doubles down on it over and over again. Um, so. The, the complaint that he has in the lawsuit is centered around um, a couple of letters that were written by Russell Moore that we've, I believe we talked about previously on this podcast. We, we did at least talk about one of them. Episodes number, whatever I say when I'm editing and I stick it in here. Episode 42. So when you stick it in here, is it like a, are you going to stick it in real smooth or is it going to be kind of jerky? It's probably going to be jerky because I'm probably going to record it on a different microphone. And so it'll be like a, a big... Matt. It's really funny, Rebecca, because you're not like super live because there's a delay in your video. And so I didn't know what kind of response I got from you for quite a bit there. And uh, it was good suspense. <laughs> first off, you chuckled when he said it the first time. <laughs> Did you not? I was chuckling at like, I I was chuckling at the like, oh, this is going to be another one of those points where Caleb has to like, my brain went, how much, how much work does Caleb in do there. when he's editing? Like, no, I was, I was like going down the rabbit trail of every time we hear Caleb's, you know, disembodied voice, even more disembodied because he jumps in to like put something into the podcast. And that's what I was laughing at. I don't know if we talked about this, but the executive committee was headed by Ronnie Floyd. He has stepped down, and they voted to waive um, privilege. Privilege. Good grief. I was Immunity was in my head, and I was like, I know that's not the right word. Um, so what does it mean to waive privilege, for those who may not know? Uh, so they're doing investigations about the sexual abuse scandals, and so privilege would be... Uh, privileged conversations between lawyers and officials that are working for the SBC um, or the executive committee. So uh, this investigation body will actually be able to see the things which are otherwise confidential, the communications between lawyers and um, parties. And what's absolutely crazy about this is Mike Stone has come out in the past and said that we shouldn't be suing each other. And if you've listened to this podcast, I might have some strong opinions on that. 
I don't remember what episode that was either. But we'll put it in here. Episode 49. Uh, that was when they were suing um, David Platt. Oh, yeah. Wait, I don't remember. what. Wait, I forget what they were suing David Platt over. Over the Constitution and Bylaws. Oh, yeah. Which is even worse. Like, let's take a literal church governance thing and go to the state and ask them to tell us what it is. Right, 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 right. Yep. Come on. Don't, can't get started. Don't get started, Matt. Don't go there. Let it go. Part of the thing about Stone that's so interesting is that he, in the past, has accused Russell Moore of all sorts of things. Um, being a significant distraction from the SBC's mission. Um, on multiple occasions, he has accused him of being a liberal and liberalizing the Southern Baptist Convention, which in Mike Stone's uh, position is a negative thing. Mike Stone has accused Russell Moore and has made Russell Moore his enemy a lot in the past. Yep. And still will post things on social media negative about Russell Moore, even after he's no longer working for the ERLC, which is the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. And he's not even Southern Baptist anymore. Yeah, hasn't Russell Moore like completely left the SBC like as a whole? Yeah. So why is he so is that why he is that why Mike Stone thinks that he can do this now? Because to Stone, he's saying, oh well he's not you know, that whole don't bring a lawsuit against believers only only counts when they're actually part of my denomination. Did Russell's exit, did Moore's exit from the SBC, like, give him permission to sue? Certainly possible. It's possible, but Russell Moore left uh, in, like, May, and this is October. Well, you know, Mike Stone had to get his paperwork in order. Mm, I don't know. You don't have that lawsuit ready to go, Caleb. It takes a couple months to to yeah. file suit. I, I feel like it doesn't take five months to figure out how to come up with a lawsuit, especially one that's as weak as this. That's fair. Well, and the defamation of character, that one always gets me because... You're a public fucking figure. <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard. Defamation of character is like the hardest thing to sue for because you have to prove... That what they said was knowingly false, mm-hmm. that they intended to harm you, mm-hmm. and that you suffered harm. Yeah. You have to you have to hit all three of those. And what's really crazy is, this is why I think this is a slap lawsuit. Because if this goes to court, is that what Mike Stone really wants? Does Mike Stone really want this all to go on the public record and be deposed and all of those things? I, I want to see this go to court and see how Russell Moore, by pub, by somebody leaking a letter um, that was not Russell Moore that leaked it, as far as we know, how well, does that intentionally inflict emotional distress on Mike Stone when Russell Moore is talking about the emotional, emotional distress that he's been going under in a private letter? Like, I just I just want to know, how how is somebody talking about their emotional distress privately how is that intentionally inflicting emotional distress the second letter so the first letter does not mention mike stone no but that's the one that the emotional distress centers on the second one the one that was released later i guess and yeah this year well they were both released this year right right but the other one was sent last year 
Got it. I understand. Uh, the one dated this year. Mm-hmm. It's a J.D. Greer. That's who who leaked that one. I don't know, but it's just crazy to me. Like this is intentionally causing emotional distress, and it's because like- that's that's private conversation, and in private conversation, you have defamation. I'm sure it goes even higher. The the line. Yeah. It's just the thing is here, and here's the line. I want reader, dear reader, dear listener, I want to read this line. And I want you to really parse it. Are you ready for this? Plaintiff. Possessive. Plaintiffs. So who's the plaintiff? Uh, friends? Mike Stone. Mike Stone. So let's put let's put his name in there. Okay? Okay. Mike Stone's business operations have already been negatively impacted by Russell Moore's untruthful statements due to a decreased trust and confidence in Mike Stone in the religious community and Mike Stone's pastoral efforts will undoubtedly suffer decreased church attendance and a reduction in donations and honorariums because of Russell Moore's statements, which are untruthful and have cast Mike Stone in a false light. So just for the record, he's literally suing him because of business operations, not for the good of the church, for the good of Mike Stone. I mean, he's suing him for seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars. There's no way that's for the good of the church. And uh, Mike Stone, I, I I'm gonna say this to you, in in hopes that you'll listen to it and hear this. If you think that you're being the pastor of your church is harming your church, I know what I know. The best thing you can do, sue Russell Moore. Thank you. I'll see you all later. <laughs> no, it's step down. If you think that your being the pastor is going to undoubtedly suffer decreased church attendance and a reduction in donations and honorariums, now the honorariums, that's that's all Mike's own. But if your church is going to suffer because you're the pastor, then leave. Yeah. But he's built himself a little kingdom, Matt, and he doesn't want to give up his little kingdom. Oh, I'm fully aware He's been there 25 years and we all had to bow down to him. Yeah, exactly. Like, you're the pastor. You're not the king. But if he's a a pastor, he probably shouldn't be suing another Christian in the courts when there's people who probably in the church could sort this out privately. Well, the complaint states that Stone denies any allegation that he opposed sexual abuse reforms in the SBC, which is questionable. And says Stone, who has identified himself as a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, suffered extreme mental anguish and emotional distress due to Moore's actions. The problem is most data, and especially what we might uncover with the executive committee audit thing that's going on, if any of that comes out as part of this, that Mike Stone even had a hint of pushing this to not to not look into this, the whole lawsuit gets tossed and Mike Stone looks like an idiot. Like... I'm not even talking about, like, should we be suing each other? I'm saying this is a bad idea from a, pu- from a public relations standpoint. From all, of the, from, from all of the standpoints, this is a terrible idea. But from, from a Christian perspective, let's, let's say somebody defames your character with unfounded gossip. Um, the legal thing to do, and, and I'm not talking about a lawsuit, I mean, the understandable thing to do might be to defend your name. The godly thing might be to let it go. 
Man, Kale, that's some good wisdom right there. Yeah, you know who it comes from? Mm, no, who's that? Jesus. Comes from Mike Stone in January of 2018. Oh. Those are Mike Stone's exact words from a sermon that he gave. Wow. That did not age well. Well, it would have. (laughs) (laughs) And clearly, this lawsuit was filed on a no-bones day. Because there's no other answer (laughs) for how this happened. (laughs) There's no other way. If he would have gone to his lawyer on a bones date, they would have told him this is not going to work out well. No, this would have been a, a no. This would have been a bones day because that's when you take risks. And Mike Stone is taking risks, man. No, no, no. He shouldn't have taken the risk that day. That's my point. He took a risk and he shouldn't have. How, how do I know if it was a bones day? Let me look. Is there a website for that? No, but I can probably go back in his TikTok because he start he started um, putting dates on the TikToks, and so okay, the eighteenth, so last week. Let's see what I can find here. This is the stupidest thing we've done all day. What? Look to see if he filed this on a Bones Day. Yes, looking to see if they filed the lawsuit. Look, who took it to another dumb level? <laughs> this might be this podcast episode might become the stupidest thing on the internet. Okay, here we go. Welcome back to yet another round of No this Bones, the game where we find out if my 13-year-old pug woke up with bones, and as a result, we find out what kind of day we're going to have. Now, this could go either way. Noodle went on a very sprightly walk last night, so he could be tired from that, he could be totally tired from that, or he could still be feeling jazzed from it. Oh, and he's feeling jazzed. Look at those bones. Oh, yeah, lie down. Oh, my gosh. you don't. We don't need him to use them. We just need to know they're there. Oh, okay, it's a bone stay on Monday, you guys. This is so exciting. You know what to do. You've got to treat yourself today. The Japanese fried chicken you were going to order for lunch. Get the curry to dip it in. All those festive gourds, buy them. That raise you deserve but haven't asked for yet, you totally deserve it. Ask for it. You got to treat yourself today. Oh, this is where we get... He understood that he needed a raise. He under he understood the assignment, <laughs> as it were, in TikTok parlance. So, yes, he... Okay, Totally makes sense. All right, well. This is, this is the issue with astrology. It can be interpreted however we want. <laughs> <laughs> number one, how dare you? Okay. Is there a number two to that? Or did you just say number one to not have a second number? Caleb does not watch The Office. Nope. I, yeah, I just, I, I think it's weird that like all of this is happening. Um, with with the whole lawsuit from Mike Stone, and the denomination is in a free fall. Like the SBC is not in a good place, and this is the kind of news that you choose to make about it. The priority is weird. So you have all of these issues. You've had two of the most well known and beloved evangelical leaders in Beth Moore and Russell Moore publicly leave and denounce what's going on within your denomination and so the response logically is is to then draw more attention to the issues by suing people instead of fighting to solve the issues this seems problematic to me i could be wrong it has happened before Makes perfect sense to me. If your priority is conservatism, 
and money and not actually spreading the gospel of the kingdom of God. It's just really sad. Like the 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 self-preservation for for the for the desire for protection and to to protect the power that he has to go to this level is really really heartbreaking. I think the power thing is just so dynamic, man. Um mm-hmm. it, it's it's such a push to to remain in a position of authority. And I mean, think about it. If Mike Stone had gotten the presidency, would he have sued? Of course not. Because he's got the power. And so, and $750,000, it's not that much, right? Like, it's a lot of money, but are you saying you actually lost that much money and you deserve that? That that seems like a lot. That just seems like a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me sad for Mike Stone, for the condition of his heart as he's going through this. It makes me sad for the SBC, who's being further tainted, even as people in that denomination are doing the work of the gospel. Um, The whole situation, as much as it's frustrating and as angry as I get, really, it makes me sad that this is even a thing that's going on, that this is how the Christian church is being represented to the world. Yeah. I mean, and let's be honest, probably nobody outside of the church is following this. Um, it's published in WAPO. Washington Post has it. Okay, well. Yeah, no, I'm going to stick with you on this one, Rebecca. Most people outside the church don't know what's happening. But I would say that I would say that it's probably it's the, the people who have or who are in the process of deconstructing or who are teetering on the edge of like, man, I don't know if I... I don't even know if I believe in Jesus anymore because of what I've seen in the church. This is the kind of thing that does push him over the edge. I think it's time for us to move on to our Tweet of the Week. Here comes the tweet. Benny Boy Shapiro. The original 1913 income tax was 1% for people with incomes above $3,000, about $80,000 today, and 6% on $500,000 or more, about $13 million. About 3% of the population was taxed. Just keep that in mind when Democrats lie and say the wealth tax will remain targeted at just the top. Oh, we've made Caleb speechless. This is fun. Let's, Let's do it again. History. Let's do it again. History. Okay. The thing is, he's not wrong, Caleb. He, first off, so let's let's go over the facts here. Let's let's present Ben Shapiro in a good light, right? He's hundred percent not wrong. Not the last sentence. Not the last. Okay, we'll set aside the last sentence, and he's not wrong. Right. Because why? Because facts don't care about your feelings. Right. In the original 1913 income tax that was specifically to fund World War I, mm-hmm. was 1% for people with incomes above 3000 and 6% for people making above 500000 Yeah, and that's all, that's all the tax income that we had in the United States of America. No, that's... Oh, no, that that's is, not right? That is all of the federal income tax that we had. Well, right, because that's all we have. That's all we have. That's all we've ever had, Caleb, is federal income tax. No, no, there was a property tax prior to that. So wait, so taxes weren't just on my income? 
uh, taxes were not even primarily on your income. They weren't on your income at all. You were taxed on your property. Okay. Well, that that does not help Ben Shapiro's point. But at least at least it was just property taxes and this added income tax, right? Well, there were a lot of state taxes as well, local taxes, also taxing property, also taxing sales. And a lot of states actually had income taxes prior to that. What about tariffs? Yeah, well, we had tons of tariffs, way more tariffs than we have now, because we didn't have free trade. And what do those tariffs do? Make money for the government. Oh, I was thinking the thing, the reason we don't have them now is that they decrease trade and uh, shrink the economy. No, but like... Shapiro's whole point is based on the fact that currently the primary primary source of income for the United States government is the income tax. Yes. But that's not the way it used to be. And we should know that the instituted much higher rates later on. And we should also notice that uh, the uh, U.S. government cut income taxes significantly under Ronald Reagan. And it's from Ronald Reagan on that we have, besides for a short time under uh, Bill Clinton, that we have never had a decreasing deficit. So we should talk about the the Revenue Act of 1913, right? Because that's what Shapiro is talking about mm-hmm. here. So again, it we had an income tax levied. Yes, and it worked. But the additional rate of five up to $500,000 was 6%. That's what he says. So uh, that's a combined total of 7% because you had to add the normal rate and the additional rate. You sure you're doing that right? That's what my little table of doom says, that there was a normal rate of 1%. So even people... Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the, the rate was 7%. But also, now, granted, this is according to the wiki wiki, but it's got sources. If you want to go look the sources, you can go find them too. Mm-hmm. It reduced the average import tariff from 40% to 25%. We were still tariffing twenty at 25% imports. Yeah. Well, we're doing that with some things from China after Trump increased them. For some things now, but we're talking about the average. Uh-huh. Oh, tariffs used to be crazy high. Right. So on woolens, it went from 56 to 18.5%. So... The cost of goods came down drastically while we ro- we raised the income basically on the well on the we ra- we raised the tax bracket on the wealthy because tariffs and sales tax do not adversely like they don't uh, go after the wealthy they're a, a very flat line tax people are like well when they buy luxury goods they don't buy luxury goods that often they or they hide their money places yeah right because that's how that's why people like that's why rich people like sales tax because it's good for them. So the whole thing that really bothered me about Shapiro's tweet is he's using selected facts to make a point. And I made a TikTok about this too. Right. Well, I think that the crazy thing is that until Reg- until Ronald Reagan, the income tax remained targeted at the top because of how high income taxes were for, for the really wealthy. Because they had those high 60-70% income tax rates on the additional money, uh, that the income tax prior to Ronald Reagan remained targeted at just the top. And Ronald Reagan targeted the middle class and the poor with the income tax that prior to 1981 was targeted at just the top. 
So if you want to come in here and say that Democrats lie and say that we're main targeted at just the top, the people who have a history of targeting the bottom with their taxes is the Republicans. So you can get out of here with this bullshit that the Democrats are going to do this to you when they are not the people who historically have done that. They're not the people who have historically cut funding to police departments. They're not the people actually doing this stuff that they're being accused of. And I'm tired of it. And to make the larger point, the, the truth is what Ben is saying is factual-ish. I think mm-hmm. uh, we can look at this and say that it should be um, – seven percent on five hundred thousand or more but you know whatever i I, i'm i'm for being off a percentage point there that's not a big deal to me um but the main the main problem is using facts to to make an argument that the facts don't actually make yeah it's like saying um Somebody posted a TikTok, uh, some Duke guy doing a video about how few officer-involved shootings there were on unarmed black men. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, but like uses of force and uh, how often are they in the neighborhood? And then somebody responded to my th- thing saying, well, you got to look at the crime rates. Yeah, but even if you look at crime rates, they're they're not equal. But if you look at crime rates and there's an area that's overly patrolled they're going to have a higher rate of crime because they're overly patrolled. So Ben is is part of the problem that he thinks he's railing against because the problem is you, if you take these facts at Twitter value, you don't do the critical thinking to say, Ben, what you're saying doesn't prove the point you think it does. Yeah. And so I, I'm just tired of people in a, in a very complex topic mm-hmm. presenting facts that make their point disingenuously yeah and i'm not saying that like i'm not going to defend whether or not we should have a wealth tax or not but to say that democrats lie in that because the income tax is now so high is just entirely disingenuous especially when they're not the political party that made the income tax the way it is now and to Caleb's point, the ratio of top marginal rate to bottom marginal rate in 1913 was 7 to 1. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's it now? It was, uh, the last time it was similar was in 1980 when it was 6.36 to 1. Mm-hmm. And today it's 3.96 to 1. Uh-huh. That's a huge difference. And it's easier to hide money today. Because there were corporate gains taxes prior also to Ronald Reagan, where um, you had to pay those at your death. However much your wealth had accumulated in the stock market when you died, they would calculate that and pay it. But Ronald Reagan got rid of that. So now if you're rich and you die, all of that money that accumulated that you hadn't realized the gains of because it was still in stocks is not taxed at all. It becomes tax free. And they get whatever the value is when you die. So if you invested, so just so our listeners understand what that would mean, if Matt invested $100,000 today and he dies in 60 years and that's worth $2 million, he never sells a stock, he never does anything, Hadley, his kid, would get that $2 million and it's not taxable. Matt has made that much income. $1.9 Tax-free. 
And yeah, that that's a problem because it just it like you said, it helps us hide money. And what a wealth what a wealth tax would do, the the idea of the wealth tax, yeah, is that you're going to tax that money as it's accumulating. So that Matt pays taxes on the accumulation of wealth, it accumulates at 10% or 8% or whatever. He pays a 2 or 3% on that. So that way instead of making 1.9 million, he's only going to make a million dollars and the government will have actually, you know, been funded. Yep. I mean the the argument against that is it's anti-capitalist, which Yeah, no shit. To a certain extent, but it doesn't necessarily have to be completely anti-capital. Like we can still have capital and use these metrics and tools. How great is capitalism? How is it working for China right now after they've been capitalist for 40 years, even though they're still communist? And now they're bulldozing buildings and their biggest corporations are barely able to pay their debts. How How is that working out? How's capitalism working? Well, I mean, that's that's a that's a complex question. Exactly. So we have an easy answer for it. Dun, 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 dun. All right. Time for time for Caleb's happy news story. I mean, I don't know how happy it is. I just thought that I saw it come across my news feed today and I was like, oh, that's that's really nice. So there's a hundred year old priest uh, who is retiring from the parish where he's been at and is being recalled to Spain after serving in Texas for 70 years. What was the awe? The fact that we have a hundred year old priest that has been at his parish for 70 years. He's just really cute. You know what, Caleb? Here's the problem. Here's the problem with your article. Uh-huh. Okay. I just want to come out and say it before. It's really long. Before anybody uh, tries to say something. Th- this whole article is fake news. Why? Well, you sent us a New York Times article. Oh, I forgot. Never mind. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and we know... That nothing true comes out of the New York Times. Damn, let me see if I can find it on Fox or something by the time we publish. Thank you. And I can send a, I can send a link from a more conservative uh, place so we know it's real. No, no. A more truthful place. We, we said the same thing. I'm not actually going to do that. The New York Times is fine. Um, I, I, just, I, I just like, like, you see pictures of him. He uh, carries a magnifying glass with him when he's going to perform mass so he can read. Uh, I think that goes against the liturgy practices that you're not allowed to have help. You can use a magnifying glass to read prayers. Like, that's fine. I'm just being a jerk because... Okay, hold on, though. Time out. Time out. Does he really need the magnifying glass? I think so. Like, at some point, he's got these things memorized, right? No, no, he's reading the prayer requests of, of the parishioners. Oh, the prayer oh, this requests. Is, this is kind of fascinating. It says, when he turned 75, Father Luis handed in his resignation, just as every Catholic Catholic priest was required to do. Mm-hmm. And they didn't accept that resignation for 25 years. Oh. So, I just, I, I love the story. Um, he's been serving faithfully. At a church that he planted for 70 years. And he's not, he's in Texas, but he's coming out of Spain. 
So he's Spanish, and he's being recalled to Spain. He's not really retiring. He's leaving the church where he is here uh, to go and serve at a church in Spain. So in his, his old age of 100 years old, he's going back to his his home before he came here for the last 70 years. Yeah. Wow. This is a good story. I don't know who found it, but this is a good story. Caleb found it. Although I hate to give him credit for that. What do you mean, who found it? I told you, I saw it come across on the New York Times. Caleb, go for it yourself. I wonder what New York Times person found the story. Oh, Caleb didn't find this. Caleb read a damn story. I want to know what reporter did the good work to get this. I'm going to guess that it was Rick Rojas because he's the one who wrote this up. It's definitely possible, but sometimes you get leads that the the writer doesn't. Yeah. He is the national correspondent who covers the American South. So I, I'm going to bet that he wrote this. Well, he definitely wrote the story. He was raised. He was born and raised in Beaumont, Texas. So he was born and raised where this happened. Who was the the writer, Rick? The guy who wrote it. So I'm. If I was a betting man, I would bet that his mom goes to that church, and that's how he knows. Yeah. You know what the problem is with this Rick Rojas guy? Man, this this story just has so many problems on top of so many problems. First off, New York Times, right? Obviously, huge mark. <laughs> Clearly. Second, the guy that wrote it's an Aggie, so he, there's no way this could be real. <laughs> He's a what? <laughs> He's an Aggie. I don't know what that means. That's okay. You don't have to. I do. That's why I know it's fake. It's all fake news. Is this like a southern Texas thing? It's a Texas thing, yes. He he went to Texas A&M, which is obviously the absolute worst. But he went to Texas A&M and got a degree in political science. So, I mean, is it any... There's a university in Austin that you can study political science at, and he had to go to the one not in Austin, which is not even near politics. I mean, shady... That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think Matt might have a point here. Why did he go to Texas A&M and study political science? That sounds... Unless he's like one of those people that changes major after the first year, but he was already there. That was a happy story. Yeah, I just... I just, like, they, it, like they have... They talk about it, how they're, like, going through his stuff, and his suitcase that they're packing his clothes into yeah. is from when he moved there. The suitcase is 70 years old. It's like he's he's moving back home with his original suitcase that he moved to America with to plant this church. Also, at the very bottom of the article, it says uh, Orlando Merquin, Merquin contributed reporting. So I'm not saying that Orlando found the story, but I would bet that Orlando found the story. Yeah. So it does uh, talk about after he was after, you know, he... Uh, Offered his resignation at 75. It does say 25 years later, he has undeniably slowed down, but he regularly gets around without his walker or cane. The first few steps are the hardest, but then he gets going. He sometimes grasps for words in English, but he blames that on decades of speaking mostly Spanish. He still prepares his own dinner in the rectory, stirring a splash of oil from Spain into his canned chicken noodle soup before he microwaves it. Mm -hmm. Just three years ago, he stopped driving himself around on errands and to visit the sick at the hospital. So he was 97 before he stopped driving himself. But yeah, his 
His his his dinner kind of makes me sad. <laughs> what? That sounds like a great dinner. I like chicken noodle soup. Every night, though? Like... No, I, I doubt that he's making it every night. I think that's just what he made himself for dinner when the reporter was there with him. I hope so. I hope he doesn't just have chicken noodle soup. I hope he soup. doesn't have chicken noodle soup and a splash of oil every night. Like, but that's how it read to something, me. <laughs> something like... else in his... Maybe like some tomato soup and a splash of oil every once in a while. This is a, I mean, it's a good, it's a good story, you know, just overall. I'm happy for Father Luis. It's kind of sweet how it seems like in the response, um, I mean, the community were essentially begging him not to leave and that he's beloved in the community. He signed a vow of canonical obedience. He's been recalled to Spain. He doesn't have a choice. He cobbled the money together to build Cristo Rey in the early 1950s. Bingo proceeds paid for the supplies to add a church hall. We built the hall ourselves, the people, Father Luis said. I was a younger man at the time. In the early days, without the help of a choir, he played the organ and belted out hymns. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, I do think it's unfair that they're recalling him to Spain. Um, I would much rather see him stay in the community, but... I mean, I get that, but also, what if he wants to go back to Spain? And that's that's entirely possible. Um, the article doesn't present that as the option, but the people in the community don't want him to go. They, the article doesn't talk about what he wants, probably because he wouldn't tell them what he wants because what he wants doesn't matter at the point once he's been recalled. If you're a Catholic priest, you go where you're assigned. I wonder if when he eventually passes away, if his request will be to be buried. Like back in his, in his parish. I hope so. I mean, that seems appropriate. I although I doubt that anybody's gonna keep track of the story to let us know if that happens. Yeah. But I can add a news alert to his name, um, and track to see if he shows up in the news again. And any news on the turtles? No, it's only been a week. No one has sexed them. Uh, I I would figure that they've done those things, but nobody's published about it. No news agency has picked up anything on the turtles. It's it's been it's been a week. I would imagine they've done some things. They've looked at them, probably taken some more pictures of them, but it's it's not been in the news anywhere. Yeah, it hasn't. No updates that I can see. Just like there's no updates on Brody and for a long time because you know they'll update us when something cool happens it's been fun talking to you i have bones i also have bones i'm not gonna sue you no no promises on that one i like income taxes uh me too i also like wealth taxes and i hope i hope god gives me a hundred years you know like that's the most uh inspiring part of that story it depends on the quality of those 100 years for me. Nah, it doesn't to me. Yeah, if I if here's the thing, if I'm if I'm at 100 years and I just have to use a walker every once in a while and I can still read my list of prayers with a magnifying glass. Yeah. And I can still like answer the bell to go to the confessional booth whenever somebody comes in. I'll take it. If I can still be of use to God at 100 years old and he's got me around, I'll be pretty happy about it. Right. I mean, I would like to have some use. My use could simply be being uh, there for others. What Matt doesn't want is to be uh, in an institution for the last 20 years of his life. 
because he finally breaks. He doesn't want to be 100 and be in that situation. He wants to be 100 and still doing good things. Which is entirely possible at this point. It is, especially with, you know, medical advancements. Oh, I thought you were talking about the psychotic break. (laughs) I mean, there is that. Thanks for listening to the Barely Safe Podcast. Make sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app. You can find more episodes, links, and show notes, and merch at BarelySafePodcast.com. Well, friends, I have to go write a 15 to 20 page paper on sin, condemnation, and deliverance in the Gospel of John. And it's due on Sunday. And how many pages have you written? None of them. Matt, you have made zero progress since you yesterday said I have to go write this. That is not true. I did a whole set of research on John 8.11, which is part of the process. And tonight is 12.47. No, we specifically talked about this, and you said that you need to start writing so you can see what you need to research. Oh, man. I have no memory. You specifically said that. I have no memory of this place. (laughs) So, I'm going to tell you, Matt, you need to start writing so you can finish seeing what you need to research. Okay, I gotta go. Um, Do you at least have an outline now? Yeah, sure. I mean, like 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 not just the three things, but like detailed inside of the three? No. Matt? Your writing process causes me stress, and it does has nothing to do with me. <laughs> How do you think it makes me feel? Bye! I don't remember saying that.